Our Father, we come to you grateful for the Word of God. Uh, thank you for your spirit that moved in men to write these, these words. Father, uh, we have a reliable account. We've not been left to myth and uh, clever stories. We have the Word of God. And so this morning, uh, Father, may we sense your presence among us that this word would be effective to your purposes. Uh, we are your people, Lord. We need to hear from you. Uh, speak, Lord. Speak your gracious words of salvation to us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. The the text today is Hebrews 4, and uh, the question is in our sermon title, um, Who Can Relate to Me? Do we have someone who can relate to us? Um, I don't know how you're doing. How are you doing these days? That's an important question. We are always asked, what is, how are you doing? And we usually reply, I'm doing, I'm doing fine, right? Uh, we usually don't want to burden people with, with the truth. <laughs> uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Life is hard. If we were more honest, we'd realize that life is much more difficult. Um, this is a week where we remember. It's a week where we start off with Palm Sunday. We start off with this remarkable moment when Jesus enters this town, this city called Jerusalem, and we know what's, we know what's ahead, don't we? We know what's going to happen. William Penn, the individual who was instrumental in the founding of the state Pennsylvania, uh, wrote a book called no, no Cross, No Crown, back in the 1600s. It's actually a Christian classic. William Penn suffered for his faith. He was locked up a number of times in the Tower of London. And we're familiar with the, the phrase, no pain, no gain, right? Well, it's actually a phrase that comes out of, out of William Penn's book, No Cross, No Crown. William Penn said this. He said, no pain, no palm, no thorns, no throne, no throne, no gall, no glory, no cross, no crown. A remarkable week begins today. Our conquering king, not on a war horse, but on a little tiny donkey. The people had seen enough of Jesus. Something like 37 miracles have been recorded by our Lord. They had seen his extraordinary compassion, and they thought they had the right son of David, the one who was to come, who would set up his kingdom. And so they had many things right. They thought they had seen enough of, Jerusalem, of Jesus entering Jerusalem was this key moment from his baptism with John, when Jesus associated with sinners, he became Isaiah's suffering servant, Isaiah 53. At that moment, and the voice of the Father 
said from, a lot, from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What pleased the father was the son was associating with sinners. He was becoming the suffering servant. Now the text I want us to look at is Hebrews chapter 4. We've been thinking uh, about the here and now of our lives going through this series called How People Change. We've been thinking about the here and now, the moments of our life. We as Christians have it pretty well down what Jesus did for us in the past, our conversion, what we believe about Jesus back then, and we are pretty good about the future. We're pretty sure that the future holds for us heaven. But for us now, the here and now is the big challenge. And I thought of Hebrews 4 that tells us about the compassion of Jesus. And so as a church, we're going to look, just for this moment, at a particular kind of person, a particular kind of person who, is called, who we are called today to respond to, the one we need. And I think we need constant encouragements to turn to this particular kind of person with what troubles us, what feels defeating, what feels overwhelming. And so in Hebrews 4, we really have the introduction of a vital truth that Christ is our mediator and he functions in this particular text as our high priest. And the people cried on this day, they cried, Hosanna, glory to the son of David. They recognized that they needed someone powerful to intercede for them. They needed a king. And today we're looking at Jesus in the office of a high priest. Hebrews 4 tells us that this individual is approachable and he's empathizing. Approachable and empathizing. Now it sort of starts off with this bold statement. It's a little bit scary. Look at verse 12. If you have it there in your worship folder or in your Bible. For the word of God is active, alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation, verse 13 says, is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now it would seem like verse 14 would follow and say, therefore be careful how you live. Uh, it would make sense that verse 14 would say, uh, be careful, God is watching. But verse 14 doesn't say that. It is, it's as though the writer of Hebrews is anticipating that we would probably be fearful at the news that God knows every aspect of our life, and he is the one before whom we are accountable. And it makes sense that that should induce godly fear in us. But verse 14 tells us something wonderful. Verse 14 tells us that we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, and let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Look at verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize 
with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So he is a high priest who has been embodied in our experience and understands every aspect of your life. Every sorrow, every discouragement, every uh, despair, every confusion, every temptation that would be yours to, to go it alone, to choose your own way. Everything we have experienced, Jesus can relate to it. So, this is the one we are called to relate to, our mediator, our high priest. And we are called then, verse 16, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive, these are two key words, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you have a time of need right now? Do you have something that is coming to the surface in your heart, in your mind, reminds you it's something you want, must have, some peace you'd like to enjoy, something in your life that's making you anxious, your time of need. From heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, ministers to you as a compassionate high priest. He's available to you. He's available to you. Now, I don't know when you think about authorities. Uh, I think some, many of you here have some sort of work with the federal government, I'm thinking. Um, and uh, I don't know how you interact with the authorities that are above you. I hope you're respectful. Um, but if you ever need anything from um, a government official, uh, sometimes that can be frustrating. Don't you enjoy going to the DMV? Isn't that just a joyful experience? Um, I sometimes, if I need something from the DMV, I go down there at my, I, I, I anticipate going down there twice in one day. Uh, my first day is just to under, it's more of a reconnaissance trip. And I just sort of get the, okay, so we're changing the title, and I need this, and I need, okay, so, okay, good. And then they wonder why I don't, okay, all right, I'm not ready for that, I'll be back. And so then I go get the, what I need, and then I come back, and the second trip is just smooth and just, you know, it's really relaxing, and so that's how I handle the DMV. Now, Marianne and I were recently uh, down at the federal buildings on Punchbowl. Uh, this related to our daughter and son-in-law in Mexico, and so we went to the immigration office and found a delightful person who really, really was helpful, and she told us that we could access something very simple at the at the office of the IRS. They have an office down there. And uh, so we needed to talk to the IRS. So we um, willingly and joyfully went to the IRS. I've never, it's never happened to me before. Uh, so we're down there at, and I don't know why you government people can tell me this, why are all your buildings gray and foreboding? Like this, okay, so, institutional, okay. Well. So we go to the IRS office, it's about one o'clock in the afternoon, and we're in there, and there's no one in the building, except one individual behind the counter. So we go up and talk to him, and he reminds us, or he tells us that we have to have an appointment. Now there's no one here, we're looking around, 
And then he points to a phone number uh, that's written out and says, you need to call that number and make an appointment. And then I try backing off, trying not to be sarcastic and not trying, you know, I said, this would be an appointment with you. He says, yes. Okay. Okay. So we go outside and we talk to someone on the East Coast who's convinced that the IRS offices are closed. There's no reason, right? And we said, no, the one we're at is still open and we're in Hawaii. So long story, we actually had to come back with an appointment uh, to get the IRS to, uh, to help us. Uh, I don't know if this makes us all sort of independent thinkers. Uh, we tend to be people who, when it comes to authority, we sort of brace ourselves and we sort of wonder if this will be a good experience. Well, uh, we are born into this world um, suspicious of the ultimate authority, which is God. And the, the recovery we are in, and I use that word intentionally, the recovery we are in is a recovery of suspicion or a suspiciousness uh, about authority and particularly God. And here we have the book of Hebrews speaking to uh, Christians who are struggling with one particular uh, aspect of their life, and this is, this is it. They're struggling with the idea of keeping going. They're struggling with persevering. To be a Christian is costing them. To be a Christian is hard on, in their relationships. Uh, they may have come out of uh, relationships with, with Jew, Jewish uh, people, and they are now identifying with Jesus. This is causing stress. And they are struggling with the idea of persevering. And the writer of Hebrews is saying you can draw near. The one that can empathize with you can fully understand you. And on this day, the people recognized something of the one who was on that donkey. They understood he cared about them. He could understand them. He had the compassion and they wanted to respond in praise. He thought of them. Do you feel lonely? Do you feel alone? Uh, loneliness, uh, apparently, by way of some who study these things, uh, loneliness is on the increase in the United States. Uh, it is impacting people's health. Loneliness is a serious issue. We are called to come to one who, at every possible level of our experience, can understand us. And let us think through some of the subjects that Jesus can identify with us and glean uh, some insights into uh, how the here and now can be impacted by the person of Jesus. First of all, notice that the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, uh, verse 14 tells us that Jesus has passed through the heavens. He's passed through the heavens. Uh, maybe in your life you're used to uh, authorities uh, changing, uh, different administrations we now have in our, in our government. Uh, people come and go in our life. Life feels a bit transient. This Jesus is permanently residing in, upon the throne in heaven. As we worship, we're interacting with him as our king, our priest, and our prophet. He's our mediator. There's a permanency. 
from this exalted place, he ministers to us. He understands our weaknesses. Our weakness can be something where simply we just can't manage our lives. We can't keep our life together. We may perhaps show it to other people. We feel weak. We used to perhaps manage our life better, and now we're feeling things are out of control. Christians need continual encouragement that they can come to a person who will relate to them and understand them. Verse 14 tells us, excuse me, verse 15 tells us that we, um, we can turn to Jesus when we're going through a hardship or an affliction and things may be unique to us and we feel that no one else can relate to us. Jesus can and does. In every possible respect, because he has shared our flesh and our blood. Hebrews 5.8 tells us that although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Is your suffering now hard for you? It makes sense it would be. Is your suffering something confusing to you? Are you asking this question, how can this be good? How can this do anything in me that is redeemable? How can this be helping me? Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Christ can empathize with us at an emotional level that far exceeds anything we can even understand. He is with us in the full sense of that word. Feeling despised. Do you feel unappreciated? Do you feel just distant from other people because of criticism? He relates. Do you feel alone? He relates. Do you feel circumstances are confusing? Think of Christ's experience on the cross. He relates. Do you feel that you're suffering for no apparent reason? Perhaps you have been giving good. Perhaps you've been doing a good job. Perhaps you've been making a good effort. Wouldn't that be true of Jesus? And he got the exact opposite. How can this all be working for good? You've given, you've served, you've loved, and it has not been received like you thought. Jesus relates. Do you find yourself withdrawing from people, hesitant to rely upon people? People shouldn't be trust, trusted anymore. Jesus experienced that temptation. Tempted to not give anymore, Jesus relates. Find yourself questioning if faithfulness is even worth it. Did Jesus enter that thought? Was he tempted in that way? And all of these ideas were told that we can come with confidence. Look at verse 16. Come with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace. How often do we think, oh, God wouldn't relate to me? How often would we think, oh, God wouldn't, wouldn't understand or God wouldn't 
want to hear from someone who is like me in my confusions and frustrations. The writer of Hebrews is crying out, you can find mercy and grace right in the here and now. Now, what is it like to experience mercy and grace? What's it like? What, what's actually happening? What's happening in those moments when you sense his encouragement, when you sense his presence, you're sensing the wonder of his person. You're sensing that he wants you, is not ashamed of you, and he is communicating once again how sure you are, how secure you are in his love. So a worship service is a communication of his grace to you. The Lord's Supper is a communication of his grace to you. How often throughout a particular day do you need encouragement? It's okay to say dozens of times. It's okay to say I need his mercy all day long. He doesn't grow tired of giving me that. How could he desire me when I am so needy? He does. As we draw near to him, Psalm 34 tells us what happens to us. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. As we draw near to him, there is a communication of his grace to us. We, re we receive fresh communication of spiritual, saving, refreshing light from him and all other graces. Can he relate to me in my need? Yes. What does he do for me? He gives me grace. My need is represented in all that Jesus experiences in Jerusalem, his final week of this life. Watch him this week. Read those gospel accounts of his final days. He experiences this, that he might be fully fitted as a mediator for you, your prophet who speaks truth to you, your priest who intercedes for you, and your king who oversees your whole life, making sure that everything you go through is purposeful to the end that he has determined it to be for. He is working all things masterfully for your good and the center of it is Jesus the mediator who is watching you available for you all the time. This is how we live in the here and now of our moments. My need is represented in all that Jesus experiences in Jerusalem his final week. He was abandoned that I would never be abandoned. He was forsaken that I would never be forsaken. He was made poor that I would be forever rich in his grace. We have a high priest that your face might shine, your face might be lifted, that you might say in the here and now of your life, the words of Micah 7, 7, and with this I'll close. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. 
my God will hear me. Let's pray. Our Father, remarkable text that tells us that we have one who is fully fitted to be our mediator, who's the one who entered Jerusalem this day and he came for us that he might fully sympathize with us, that we might have our faces made radiant and shining, that we might know you hear us and that we are not alone. Minister your marvelous grace to us, Lord. Build up your church. Build up each individual here. And we ask these things in the name of the powerful one who came, who is also sympathetic with us, sharing our flesh and blood that we might be known fully. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.